I want to continue to share a bit more of the basics, the foundational stuff about the Zoe program. We are excited to see where the Holy Spirit is leading us as a church. Before we even left for our trip to Kenya, many of you said, I am, I'm feeling the nudge. I'm feeling the Holy Spirit doing something. So I believe firmly that this mission focus is going to bring our church closer together. I truly believe it with all of my heart. Just so you know, this was not our first trip to Africa. Since 2004, we have taken five different teams to Zambia and Kenya. So this is very much a continuation of what God started many years ago. Let me tell you, uh, Kenya is very large. There's a great deal of need. So the annual conference partnership through this bridge actually extended its partnership this time. And we began a new partnership with Zoe and empowerment is truly the key. Relief is a quick fix what I would call a band-aid in ministry. It's important, as Gaston said in the video, it's important when there are earthquakes or tornadoes or floods that we help with immediate relief. But empowerment is very different. Empowerment changes lives and teaches people the skills that they need to be independent and self-sufficient. So that's what is so different about this. Uh, We learned so much from the Zoe staff and the orphans. Uh, mm, Let me see, what do I need to say about Zoe? Their orphans are identified and assigned to a working community group. None of these orphans have families, so they are identified and put together in a group, and then they work and, and minister to one another, pray with each other, worship together with that family group for three years. They receive training on many different levels. One of them is food security. They learn how to grow their own food. They learn how to raise small animals. And they are empowered spiritually through the ministry that they they do together, studying the Word of God. One of the first things they do is learn the Lord's Prayer. They have communion together. They worship and pray together. They're also taught vocational skills so that they can own their own businesses. These are orphans from anywhere from 13 to 23 or 25 years old. And they are, at the end of this program, completely self-sufficient. We met several who have multiple businesses. They're also taught their rights as citizens Uh, We actually heard several stories about groups helping a member to get their land back because after their parents had died, their relatives had taken away all of their land and their possessions. Well, during our stay, we visited with groups of graduates, and then we saw orphans in the third year of the program, second year, and first year of the program. We We also saw people who had just begun the program, orphans who had been identified, starving, homeless, dirty, tattered, clothes-wearing children. And we, we met them on the second week that they were meeting together. And I just have to say I was grateful for having seen where the program was headed, all of the hope and the the fulfillment and the the self-sufficiency that they could have because these children were devastated. 
They were in a state of despair. Most of them, their body language was, was with their heads hung very low. They didn't want to speak very much. They had very little self-worth. Many of them were hungry, had not eaten for several days, and they talked very little. So while this was a very heart-wrenching experience, as I said, we knew where in just a few short months these teenagers would be. So they would go from being desperately poor, uh, starving children, to healthy, energetic, dynamic uh, entrepreneurs, really. I was very impressed with these teenagers who will be able to support their younger siblings They will have their own business, they will grow their own food, and they will live a whole and productive and fulfilling life. So you have to understand that this trip was like no other. We didn't go and build a house or work on a school. We did not dig a well, but we built relationships. And the thing is, as as Maria referenced, we learned so much about how we need to do life here. How we, especially for me, I learned so much about being the body of Christ and how we can live in community together. So uh, we're going to share some personal stories, especially um, with some of the children. And to do that, I want to go first to prepare our hearts with the Word of God. We're going to go first to Hebrews chapter 6. This is what Reagan, the director of Zoe, continued to remind us. Hebrews 6, starting with the 10th verse. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end in order to make your hope sure. We do not want you to become lazy but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. And then I want to go back to the Gospel of Matthew. We know it as the Sermon on the Mount. You know, often I believe that we Western Christians feel like Jesus was talking about those people, somebody else, when he was teaching the Sermon on the Mount. But this morning I want you to hear it as Jesus speaking to you. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, or those who know their own need, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, the gentle, the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, 
Because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, as I mentioned, for me, this trip was all about witnessing profoundly how to live as the body of Christ, how to live in community. And I believe we have so much to learn. In these teenagers, I witnessed a vulnerability, an honest transparency, genuine authenticity, an incredible faith and trust in God. There was hope and generosity even in the midst of their scarcity. They respected and valued one another. They valued one another's unique personality, the other's gifts and talents, While they definitely held one another to a high level of accountability, they always encouraged and edified one another. They always lifted one another up emotionally and spiritually. So what I witnessed was it was all about we versus me. As Brooke had said this morning, worship but working in community is not about us. It's about the whole body of Christ. They included those of another faith, as well as those who were disabled, because they remembered where they had been. They remembered the suffering that they had endured, and they looked for ways to to work together in community. I told you this a couple weeks ago for those of you who were here, but I want to to share with you about Carol, her name was. They called her boss, boss lady because she was such an incredible entrepreneur. But she... She described how she would uh, work in her community, and it was this way. She said, first, I scan my environment and look for opportunities. I scan my environment and look for opportunities. Then I ask myself, what resources do I have? What gifts and talents do I have? And then she said, thirdly, I ask, what needs do I see in the village And then she said, I start planning. Then I get to work. I have a sense that Jesus is calling us to do the same. Good morning. It's great to be back and have this opportunity to tell you about the hope and promise that Zoe brings to the orphans and communities that they serve. Now, you can ask my wife, Wanda, I'm not the most touchy-feely person you're going to meet today. But I was touched by the need that I saw. I was touched by the passion of the Zoe employees in dealing with that need. And I was touched by the success that the program had in dealing with the need. I was fed by an African orphan. We had church in the cornfield, complete with communion. Now, it's quite, not quite the same service we're going to have here in a few minutes. It consisted of the the orphans coming around with a pitcher of water and washing our hands, catching the water in the basin, giving us a cup of hot tea with milk and sugar. Never had tea with milk in it before, but and a, a slice of loaf bread. Now, no prayers were said out loud, and no liturgy was read, but I promise you the Holy Spirit was working in that place. You could feel the power move, not only in the orphans' lives, but in our lives as well. The orphans gave out of the scarcity of their need because they were so proud that somebody had taken the time to come and visit them. 
to hear their stories and support them in their new endeavors. People ask what we did in Africa, and as Joanne said, we didn't build a house or a church or dig a well, but we did build kids. This group was starting the third year in the program, and one of the common themes in their stories as they got up and told, told us about their lives was, before Zoe, no one would come visit me. Nobody in the community would visit me. We also heard stories about them being hungry and abused and sick and dirty, but their first concern was nobody would come visit them. Zoe gave them a sense of family and community and spiritual structure that they had been so needing and craving. But the groups weren't just inwardly focused. Every one of the groups that we met with went out into the community and helped people. They would go and visit the elderly and make sure that they had food. They were participating in their churches, giving tithes and offerings out of what little they had. They would also help the other orphans in town that weren't part of the program. They would help them pay their school fees. They would give them jobs, or they would train them in the skill that they had been trained in. Some of the orphans, in addition to taking care of themselves and their siblings, were helping in as many as 10 other orphans. And as Joanne said, one of the first things Zoe teaches the orphans is how to, how to say the Lord's Prayer, how to pray the Lord's Prayer. And you can imagine our Father in Heaven and give us today our daily bread really resonate with the kids. And as they grew in their faith and in, in their strength and they started reading the Bible more, they found they really liked the stories in the Old Testament the best. And um, Psalms 22 is one of their favorites. Now you have to understand that when these orphans started the program, they were complete outcasts. They were hungry and dirty, beaten, raped and abused. But when they read Psalms 22, they felt like David understood where they were or where they are and he gives them hope. So I'd like to read um, Psalms 22, verses 1, 2, 6, 7, and 19. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everybody, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their head. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. On the last day, we met Jehoshaphat. He was a first-year student, an orphan that um, had had absolutely nothing. And he wanted to be a businessman. So the program gave him some training in how to, how to run a small business. And then the group that he was part of him gave him a $50 grant to start his hardware store. So he said, well, you know, I, I've, I've got to be creative because $50 is not a whole lot of inventory. So um, he went to all the hardware stores close by him and looked and saw what they were selling their products for and everything. So when somebody came to his store and wanted a, wanted a piece of hardware, he would say it would be 200 shillings. And they'd give him the money and say, hang on a second, I need to go back in the back and get it out of my inventory. What the customer didn't realize is his inventory consisted of a back door. So he would run out the back door, run over to one of the other stores, buy the product for 180 shillings, come back and deliver it to his customer. And we all laughed and said that was a pretty good model, but didn't the other stores figure it out? And he kind of grinned sheepishly and he said, yeah, he said, but the owner of the biggest hardware in the store is one of my mentors and he likes me. <laughs> 
So the people in the community, once they saw the kids were trying to help themselves, were willing to get involved with their lives and help them as well. Um, after a while, he put up a display board of all the commonly bought items in the store so people could come by and say, oh, he's got that available. They would come in. Well, all he had available still was the back door, but it really increased his business having the advertising out front. So we asked him what his goal was, where he wanted to be in 10 years. He said, I want to I buy a delivery van so I can take my product to the job sites, and I can also drive to Nairobi and buy products wholesale and bring them back here to the community and sell them for a profit. If I had to sum up Zoe in one statement, I would say Zoe is capitalism tempered with Christianity, fortified by family and community. Thank you. And if you have any other questions about the program, come find us. We're available for one-on-one group meetings, anything you want. We'll talk till you get tired of hearing us talk. Thank you. Good morning again. Um, I'm going to share a little bit about my experience uh, with uh, Zoe as well. Um, But I do have to comment that um, Victor and I are wearing clothing that was actually made by the orphans there. Um, So we talk about them being entrepreneurs. Um, uh, My girl was really good. She took my measurements at 4 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon and um, had it delivered by 7 a.m. the next day. So she can crank out some good work. Um, Before I left, um, before we left that Sunday, I left you with a quote. I'm going to reread it um, for you now. It says, you get a strange feeling when you leave a place. Like you'll not only miss the people you love, but you miss the person you are at this time and place. Because you'll never be this way ever again. I can definitely say, most definitely, I have been changed forever because of my time in Kenya um, and with the beautiful children and orphans that we met there. Um, As Joanne and Victor referenced, this was not your typical mission trip. We didn't go dig a well or build a house and praise God, you don't want my handiwork on anything that's got to last that long. Um, But it was a mission field of listening, encouraging, and being present with people. As Victor referenced, um, these orphans are very much ostracized. There's a stigma. Nobody's rallying around. Nobody's visiting and checking on them. And just having someone take the time to sit and just say, how are you? For me, that that has challenged me and changed me forever because that's hard to do. My life is busy as most of ours are. And yet I know that God is calling me to a season of being more still and slowing down so that I have time to be present with who he wants me to be present with and how he wants me to be present. Um, In the working groups that come together, the children, it's so phenomenal, so phenomenal. They elect their own leadership from chairpersons to secretaries, but it doesn't take them long to realize they need some spiritual leadership as well, and they usually elect their own pastor or chaplain. And one of the orphans um, in one of the groups we were at, um, they led us in our devotion, and it was from James 1.19, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. And that hasn't left me, and I know that's a verse that God is continuing to write on my heart and, and work on me in. Take time to listen and to be present and just sit with people. It challenged me. Not just to be present, but to look at relief versus empowerment. 
um, these children don't take the easy road. Um, and, it, and it made me look inward in my own faith. Where have I been taking relief? Where have I been taking the easy way out in my faith rather than putting in the hard work that the Holy Spirit wants me to have and do so that I can receive the Holy Spirit power? Um, as a mom, this program resonated with me because as one of the gentlemen in the video said, you know, we, we strive as parents to raise our children to be independent when they leave, to be compassionate, community-minded, self-sufficient. And so why wouldn't we want missions with children to be any different than that? To raise and help children to be all that they can be on their own. The children that we met, we were so fortunate. They were so brave. They shared stories of heartache, abuse, loss, anger, grief. But they were vessels of hope. It was such a blessing to witness their journey. And we could see, even in meeting those youngest in the program, the hope they had coming in just a few short months. Um, so with that, I'm going to tell you about Marcy. I think we have a picture of Marcy up there. Marcy uh, is the just beginning of the program. When we met her group, um, this was only their second meeting together. Um, they had just barely elected their leadership, but hadn't really gone much beyond that. Um, She's 18. She's raising two younger brothers. Their only meal that day had been black tea at breakfast. Um, and because she took the time to walk the miles into town for the meeting, have the meeting, and then come back, there was no other opportunity that day to go and get work and earn any money. So black tea for breakfast was all they were going to have that day to sustain them until tomorrow came. Um, as an orphan, she's often ignored rejected by her community. She tries to pick up odd jobs working in fields or um, going into town offering to do laundry. Um, at best, the orphan are given maybe a dollar a day. Um, and even by Kenyan orphan standards, that is far too little to survive on. Um, but more often than not, these orphans are cheated and scammed. They're not given the full amount. They're told, oh, we'll come back tomorrow and I'll pay you the rest. And, and we all know tomorrow never comes. Um, the clothes they wear are the ones they have on. Um, and when we first meet them, they are literally ripped and falling off. They often don't have shoes. Things don't fit. She was amongst a group of several um, young mothers and um, other young orphans taking care of young siblings. Um, the cries, the literal cries for food um, was heart-wrenching. Um, and we knew there was no food coming. To have to look at your own child or your young sibling and say, there's no food and I know you're hungry. Um, at the end of their meeting, um, Reagan, the program director, said, is anyone willing to let us come visit you at your home? Um, in the beginning of, of their um, working groups, this is something they will take the time to do, to go and visit everyone's home and get to know them more. Um, and out of this whole group, again, as Joanne referenced, that posture is head down. They don't want to look at you. They, they have such little self-worth that they have anything to offer. But Marcy was really brave. She said, yes, you can, you can come to my house. And so she took us there. Um, she took, she, she let us in on her world. Um, she was really scared and really nervous for that judgment, um, that she thought might be coming to be so vulnerable to say, here, look in my home. Um, her home is made of literally dried mud and sticks held together. Uh, there's an opening breaking apart in the back. The roof is thatch. Any one good rainstorm, they would be flooded out. It would cave in, potentially, um, and they would literally just be homeless. Um, 
her courage to let us in on that really has stuck with me. Um, again, I think about what do I often get too nervous or scared and simply just avoid rather than doing the hard work and receiving that empowerment. Um, she's taking the high road here. Relief would be easy. She knows that food is not coming at this meeting. Nobody's handing out food at the next meeting. But in three short months, food security is going to be consistent. She may not have three meals a day to provide for her and her brothers. may just be one, but it's only going to grow from there. And she's putting in the hard work that is necessary for being self-sufficient. Before we left um, her home, we asked if we could pray for her and with her. And she had been so strong and resilient at that. Um, But at the mentioning to pray, uh, the translators kind of had to work with her. And she finally said, okay, yes. Um, She broke down crying. The fact that people would come and visit her was overwhelming. The fact that strangers would want to pray for her, she'd never experienced such kind of compassion and love. We prayed for her strength, her perseverance, protection, prayed for her security. And at this, she was just broken, vulnerable, and yet so open to receiving all that this life-changing process was about to bring. You can tell it still hits me now. It's hard. It's hard to walk away. However, we walked away with hope because we know what is coming. We know what is coming, and that has so empowered me when I think about trials and adversities here. We can walk in hope that Jesus Christ has already won every battle and every war. I am really excited to see where the Holy Spirit takes us as a community, as a body of Christ. Um, It's challenging and changing me personally. Um, We would love, as Victor said, to come speak with you more one-on-one, come to your Sunday school class, your life group, um, and just share with you more. And and I ask uh, that you would just keep your heart open to where God might be nudging you, stirring you. Um, Don't suppress that, even if it's scary and nervous. Be brave, be vulnerable um, to where he might be calling us. So I'm going to invite you to join me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just come submitted before you. Father, we thank you for the hope of eternal life that you give, the hope for today, the hope for tomorrow. God, we ask that you would just soften our hearts, nourish the soil within us of where you want to plant and grow seeds. God, I pray that we would be obedient to your calling, that we would be open to every door you open. God, that we would serve you with joy and excitement. Father, it's in your son's holy name that we ask all these things. Amen.